Hey guys, it's Tim and this is Brussling Unlimited as it's Monday and that means tonight was Monday Night Raw. This is the final Monday Night Raw of 2023. They are not going to be doing a Monday Night Raw at all next week. They didn't film anything tonight for next week and why would they? That would be setting you up to be sitting there in Des Moines, Iowa for like a seven, eight hour TV taping and that ain't going to do anybody any good. Like the crowd tonight was great, but I don't think they're going to be great after seven hours. Because, you know, you got to do main event for an hour, then three hours of Raw. There's four right there. Then if you do main event for next week, that's another hour. Then you do another three hours of Raw. There's four, four, four. That's eight. Yeah, that'd be a lot of Raw to sit through. But they're not doing a Raw next week on Christmas Day. It's all good. And we just got this one. And then we get, excuse me, we get day one on Jan 1, January 1st. And that's looking like a big show as well. But, yeah, I thought tonight's Raw was really good. That crowd in Des Moines, Iowa was awesome. Like, they had a really good crowd tonight. Like, that crowd was into that Miz match. They wanted Miz to beat Gunther, it felt like. Like, god dang. But we got Luke right over this way with me here as well. Luke, how you doing? What do you think of Raw? What's up, everybody? I'm doing pretty good. Hope everyone's having a great Monday. Or had a great Monday. It's almost Tuesday now, at least <laughs> for me. But Raw was actually pretty good. I mean, I know going into Raw, I kind of had some low expectations. But overall, it was a pretty good Raw. We got some good matches. Got a lot of stuff announced for, like, day one. Yeah, Raw day one. I like I liked that they do, like, the Raw, like, day one. Like, this, like for going in 2024, because it reminds me of, like, how they do, like, those special episodes of NXT. Mm -hmm. I really like exactly. those. And the day after day one, speaking of NXT, there is a special episode of NXT. It's NXT New Year's Evil that next night. So they're doing two special episodes of WWE programming back-to-back -back on the USA Network. Like, they're technically still just Raw and NXT, but they're, like, overemphasized, hyped up more Raws and NXT. So that should be really, really fun. But with that, we got a lot to talk about tonight. We had, so, JD's not kicked out of Judgment Day? That's my question. JD's not kicked out of Judgment Day? No, he's not. I didn't think so. They said, he's, he's, they said no, but not, at least not for now. Right. I, I caught that, but I wasn't, like, it was iffy. Because, like, the, st the stipulation was whoever loses is out of Judgment Day, then JD lost, and this and this. We'll get into it. That's the opener of tonight's show. But with that, I want to say thank you for joining us here. Twitch.tv forward slash PWUnlimited. YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited. And podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, if you are watching live on Twitch, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can either help us out by hitting that donate button down below or by donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also, remember, you can help us out by subscribing to the channel one of two different ways. You can either subscribe with a tiered subscription or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime. Because remember, if you have Amazon Prime, then you have Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like free games, free stuff, excuse me, four games. And you always get one free subscription to any Twitch channel you want to subscribe to throughout the month. And I greatly appreciate it if you did right here, Pro Wrestling Unlimited. Also, remember to head over to YouTube. Do a couple things over there as well. Hit that subscribe button so that way you know when we post new videos and you know when we go live. Hit that join button to become a channel member. 
And also, donate a super chat. Donate super chats in the live chat to get your question, comment, or concern read live on the air. And super chats do gratefully, greatly, greatly help the channel. Finally, head over to the Epic Game Store. Head over to the Epic Game Store and buy something. Get Alan Wake 2, the IGN Game of the Year. Buy EA Sports FC 24. Maybe get an older game like Ghost Runner. Get, get Hogwarts Legacy, the game that may sell more copies than Call of Duty this year. Right now, Call of Duty and Hogwarts Legacy are fighting it out for uh, who's going to sell more in 2023. Hogwarts Legacy might take it. Also, don't forget to claim the free game. Free game is good just for a couple more days. It's Destiny 2 Legacy Collection. Or maybe you're into Fortnite. Fall Guys, Rocket League, and you need to get bucks. When you're doing any of that, use this code right here, PWUNLIMITED at checkout. The Ninja Turtles have dropped in Fortnite. We have regular Fortnite skins and Lego skins for the Ninja Turtles. Leonardo, Raphael, Michelangelo, Donatello, April O'Neil. Go grab them and use code PWUNLIMITED. For all your Epic Games and Epic Game Store purchases. With that, let's talk about Monday Night Raw. Now, do you have to preface, I don't have notes for the opening segment. As I had to pick up my daughter from camp right when Raw was starting. I know what happened. I'm going to go off the dome, kind of. But basically, I walked in and started taking notes right when the first match started, the street fight. So, all of Judgment Day come out. And Finn Balor congratulated the Creed brothers on earning the title shot that we will see later on tonight. Rhea Ripley addressed Ivy Nile. She said that she would fight her, which she elaborated more on later, and said that basically the Judgment Day ran 2023, and they are going to furthermore run 2024. Dominic then tried to talk. The crowd booed, and he couldn't say anything. This then led to R-Truth coming out. Now, we already knew that we were getting R-Truth versus um, J.D. McDonough in a Miracle on 34th Street fight. Now, if I heard this correctly, did Truth actually say, hey, we got to hurry up and get to 34th Street or something like that? Yeah, he said that. Okay, that's what I thought I heard. He said, we got to get to 34th Street. I'm like, oh, my God, R-Truth is a national treasure. We need to preserve this guy forever. I mean, why do you think Triple H loves using him, him on television? Oh, yeah. Vince no, like using him, too. First, but, like, when Triple H, like, first took over, like, like he used, like, R-Truth a lot and, like, like those, like, comedy, yep. still in comedy stuff, but he still did, like, serious, a lot of serious matches as well. Vince mainly used him for, like, the 24-7 stuff, which was still funny, but... Mm-hmm. Who do you think is using it better, Triple H or, like, Vince as far as comedy? I don't think we can fully compare because Truth has been out with that knee injury for a lot of Triple H's runs so far. I think you had to give it time with Triple H in charge. You remember, Truth was out for, like, what, almost a year with that ACL injury. Yeah. Because he got hurt in NXT. But um, going back to the segment... Truth tried to play this up like the match hadn't been set yet, but then JD was like, the match has already been announced and advertised. Truth then says, how about we add a stipulation? Loser leaves Judgment Day because nobody likes JD anyways. And then Damian Priest got amused by it and goes, all right, yeah, I like it. We could do it. Crowd cheered, and Rhea didn't seem happy that Truth said the stip is on. 
So, yeah. Any thoughts on that opening segment before we go into the match? I thought it was pretty funny. I still kind of liked how Truth was still part of Judgment Day. I bet you, mm-hmm. you like, on Raw Day 1, he's going to be like, like, JD, what are you doing here? You lost. Yeah. I'm in the Judgment Day, not you. I can see it. As far as the like, match. still going to play this up. Oh, yeah, for sure. He was wearing a Judgment Day t-shirt and everything. So, as far as the matches go, the match went just short of 10 minutes. Truth was in control early until Dom posted him. Remember, free fight, no rules. Truth then grabbed the table after a break to the delight of the crowd in Des Moines, Iowa, but McDonough cut him off before he could actually use it. Dom was yelling at JD, JD, he's got a table, JD, table. So Dom tripped Truth at one point as he came off the ropes, but Truth's head landed in McDonough's crotch. Good little timing spot there. Uh, Truth launched Dom into the steel steps and sprayed a fire extinguisher in JD's face. Truth did his John Cena comeback. Remember, John Cena was his his hero, his idol. He looked up to John Cena. He did the John Cena spots, and then he did all that before hitting McDonough with a Christmas tree. They battled on the top with a table behind them in the ring. McDonough headbutted Truth and yanked Truth towards him, but just sort of like they collided weird. It's I don't know what this spot was supposed to be, but then JD fell off and went through the table. Truth happened to then be on top of JD all of a sudden, and the ref just counted. I don't know. The end kind of felt weird to me. What do you think? I mean, it did feel a little weird. Like, I I didn't really expect our truth to win, if I'm being right. completely honest. Like, I thought JD was going to win, but... I mean... Well, from a comedy standpoint, JD losing makes sense. Also, Fonzie said it was a torn quad, not ACL. Gotcha. Thank you. I, I don't know. Like, does him losing make it, make it seem like he won't be in the judgment day much longer? No, I think he'll be fine. Honestly, I think Priest is the one that's going to get the boot. And they're going to turn him babyface. Do they give him the boot, or do they give, like, Finn Balor the boot? Oh, Damian Priest. Why? Like, why? Because you take the pin if they once they lose the titles? Well, no. I think something's going to happen where he's going to go to cash-in, and someone in Judgment Day is going to mess up the cash-in, and then he's going to figure out that, oh, they did that on purpose, not by accident, and yeah, like... Once they lose the tag titles, I think it's going to get obvious to where, like, they're still jealous of him for still having his briefcase or something. I don't know. I've just had a feeling that they're lining up 2024 to be a big year for Damian Priest as a baby face. I have no no facts on that. It's just something that I think, just the way they've been positioning Priest, where it's like, hey, I want to make decisions, and Rio's always just like, sure, you can be in charge if you want. Like, she talks down to him a little bit sometimes, and that's one of the reasons why I think eventually he might get the boot. I can see it. Uh, moving forward, Caden Carter and Katana Chance cut a backstage promo ahead of their tag title match. They basically just talked about how they've been planning on winning the tag titles. They've been working on this for a while, and now tonight's going to be their night. And then they're going to party it up. After they win. Cool. 
We then got a Nia Jax Becky Lynch segment. Excuse me. Nia Jax entered ahead of a break. After returning from the break, Jax had a microphone. But before she can speak, Becky Lynch would interrupt. Lynch marched into the ring and Jax bailed. Lynch invited her to speak to her face to face. Jax said she'd love to break that face once more. Jackson announced that she would be entering into the Royal Rumble. So that is now two women we know official for the Rumble. Lynch said the fans didn't really care about that. And then they cheered Becky when she said that. She says the crowd's happy to see me and they're happy to see us fight. Jack said that they've never fought because, quote, uh, they've never they've never fought because Becky has always been scared to come at her. She said Becky is scared that she's going to break her moneymaker again. And Jack says that's exactly what she wants to do. Jack said that she was indeed a bigger star because she was willing to fight anyone anytime, unlike Lynch. No, Lynch said she was the bigger star because she was willing to fight anybody, unlike Jax. I got that mixed up. Uh, Lynch said that Jack's ent- entire existence was based on someone else's name. Jax's only claim to fame was being the one who broke Becky Lynch's nose. That's why Jax doesn't want to fight Becky and lose. She says that would negate what you did. Lynch invited her to fight right now, and Jax said, uh, sure, let's call it a ref, and then she teased entering the ring and backed off again. Jackson said how badly Lynch wants this, but she's not going to get it tonight. She's going to get it on Nia's terms. Nia then announced that she would give her the match in her hometown of San Diego, California, on day one, January 1st. Jack said Lynch would end up in the hospital with her daughter asking why she looked uglier than she already did. Jackson turned her back to Lynch while saying she would break her face again. Lynch then went after her, but officials quickly separated the two. That allowed Jax to knock down Lynch from behind by hitting her in the back of the head. So yeah, they set up a big match for the 1st of January. Nia Jax versus Becky Lynch. The, the promos back and forth were okay. I wouldn't call them great or anything. But I, I thought this segment went a little long. And it, yeah, I, I just felt like it went a little long. And it just felt like, oh, it's, they're saying the same stuff we've heard the last three weeks. The last however many weeks. It's just meh. More rep- repetitive um, dialogue, in my opinion. What did you think? I, honestly, nothing new here. Mm-hmm. It felt like two NPCs trying to talk to each other. <laughs> yeah, that, that's my way of putting it. I think the match They're will be okay the same though. Stuff over, and over. Yeah, I, I mean the match definitely has potential, but I mean, we'll, we'll see. Here's my one worry about the match. My one worry about the match is that the whole match is going to be based around Nia trying to punch Becky in the face and Becky trying to counter and run away. I hope that's not what this match ends up being. Nia trying to punch her and Becky trying to get away the whole time. Unless unless they did like a punch where it wasn't like as hard as like Nia did to Becky a few years ago. Right. Well, that one was a total accident. Uh, it was, but like, but they really made it in, into like oh, a yeah. storyline though. Mm-hmm. It was one of those like accidental moves that WWE turned into a storyline. Yep. But I could totally see them trying to like play it off, like like saying, like, "Oh, he pushed like Nia punched her," 
Like, could Becky right. seriously be injured? Then Becky just gets back up. I mean, WWE, they've done that in the past. Mm-hmm. Like, remember WrestleMania where Seth Rollins faced Triple H and they reenacted the the part where, like, Seth, like, tore his ACL. That oh, same yeah, yeah, thing yeah. That he did. Yep. Like, I mean, they'll do that. That was the one where Stephanie went through the table when they, she got bumped off the apron, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we go backstage to Kofi Claus. This was a reoccurring segment all night. He approached Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa in the back. They said they wanted the tag titles for Christmas. Kingston gave a yeet shirt to them instead. Gargano was happy because his son loves Jey Uso. DIY then found Miz. Gargano said that they've had their issues in the past. But last week, the match was great. They shook hands. Ciampa says it wasn't great. It was Awesome. So we do know that Miz will be facing Gunther coming up. And Jackie Regman interviewed Miz about that match. Miz said that Imperium was cracking. And the and that he's the one who rattled Gunther. Miz planned on finishing what he started and become becoming a nine-time Intercontinental Champion. This match went 21 and a half minutes. And oh my God, was it great. Like this match was awesome. No pun intended in the Miz. I just don't know what was better. This match, this match, or the Survivor Series match. I think they were pretty even. I mean, I'll have to rewatch the Survivor Series one, but I mean, this one was pretty good. So, I give some props to Gunther. Gunther's power bombs look like he's dropping these guys hard, like just smashing them. But when they show it slowed down, you can tell Miz is barely hitting that mat, but it looks like he is getting drilled into the mat. Again, again, when you watch it slowed down, because they did show one slow motion replay of it, Miz's back barely hits the mat like hard. Like it looks like it's going boom, but it's really going boom. He's like laying them down almost. Like kudos to Gunther for making that power bomb the safest power bomb I've ever seen, but look like the most brutal. Because the way he just Brings him up almost like a, a Kevin Nash jackknife where he, like, brings him up but doesn't bring him all the way up. He, like, brings him up, and as soon as the momentum starts to break, he just pops him back down. So, again, kudos to Gunther on that one. Also, kudos to Gunther on selling that right hand after he chopped the the uh, post. Because at one point, I go, maybe he did hurt the hand the way he was selling it so well. As far as the match does go, Gunther swatted Miz down with the chop. But he was being a little too cocky at one point, and Miz caught him in an Indian deathlock. Gunther then got to the ropes, chopped Miz outside the ring, and powerbombed him on the apron. Miz then fired back at one point after a break, but Gunther booted him. Gunther mocked the Miz before cutting off another comeback attempt with the chop. Miz fought back and tried a springboard crossbody, but Gunther caught him. Gunther placed Miz on the top rope, drove him, boot, uh, drove his boot into the Miz's face, and then chopped him. Miz ducked a chop outside the ring, and Gunther chopped the post, leading to him selling the hand for the rest of the match. We also went to a break right after this spot. Uh, back from the break, Gunther was selling the hand as he tried to apply a cravat. Miz fought out of it and hit a low DDT, a regular DDT, and then a tilt-a-whirl DDT for a near fall. Miz ran out of the corner, but Gunther nailed a dropkick and hit a powerbomb for a two. Gunther applied a Boston Crab, but Miz got the rope break. I also love when 
Gunther, the transition Gunther does from powerbomb into the stack pin. The opponent kicks out. He still holds on and then just flips him into that Boston Crab. That always looks so impressive. Um, Miz then made it to the ropes because Gunther really couldn't rake in the Boston Crab too tight because the hand kept bothering him. Gunther then chopped Miz. So Miz invited him to chop him again. Miz is like on the ground. Hit me again. Hit me again. Gunther applied a sleeper hold. And Miz transitioned that into a cradle for a close near fall. Miz then booted Gunther's injured hand and hit a skull-crushing finale for another near fall. Crowd chanted one more time. And at this point, I go, oh, my God. The crowd wants Miz to win. Miz tried a few kicks that didn't look all that great. And Gunther clobbered him with a clothesline. Gunther then went to the top rope, but Miz kicked the ropes into the uh, hurt hand. He then hit a skull crush finale off the middle rope, but as he went for the pin, Gunther rolled out of the ring. Crowd booed. Miz then rolled Gunther back into the ring, but when Miz entered, Gunther immediately grabbed him, powerbombed him. He then picked him up and basically hit him with a Rainmaker clothesline, another powerbomb, and a pin to pick up the victory. I thought this match was awesome. Gunther retains the belt, and Miz is not allowed to challenge Gunther ever again. What would you think of the match? Oh, match was awesome. Definitely match of the night. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, mean, my, I mean, my biggest question is like, how how much longer is Gunther going to be IC champion? Because I definitely think Miz is probably going to win the belt down the line again to maybe break that record. I just don't know when because it's really just well, up to when how, how much longer they want Gunther to be champion. So Miz can't challenge Gunther anymore. So Gunther would have to lose the belt before Miz can get it again. And Miz has to win it two more times to break the record. Right now, Jericho has the record at nine. Miz is at eight. So he needs 10 to break the record. I'm surprised WWE mentioned Chris Jericho yep. holding that record. Yep, me too. They even said Chris, Chris Jericho. Yep. Uh, since Saturday in the Twitch chat says, who has the better powerbomb? Gunther or Wardlow? Gunther. It's an easy one. Yeah. Gunther. Especially how, when you, like I said earlier, when you look at it, Gunther's powerbomb looks super devastating. But then when you really examine it, it's like the lightest powerbomb you'll ever, ha- you'll ever take. He's just that good. Wardlow tries too hard with his power bomb. I feel like Wardlow's just seems too reckless. Like it really seems like he's just throwing these guys around. Like yeah. for real, throwing them around. And maybe I could be wrong and he's just like I'm complimenting Gunther on maybe he's also doing the same thing, making it look devastating but it's not, but I don't know. The way he does it cuz also when Gunther does it, he holds them the whole way down. Wardlow kind of pulls them up and then just throws them. But Wardlow, or I mean Gunther, holds them, goes all the way down with them, and all of that. So here's something new. WWE with a beer sponsor. This threw me off guard for a second. Modelo. So I wonder if this is a TKO thing from the UFC, because Modelo sponsors the UFC. This threw me off for a second. I'm like, wait, are we going to commercial? Or did they just say this Creed Brothers video is sponsored by Modelo? Like, uh, oh, cool. More revenue coming into the company. I mean, I mean, maybe they're just. I mean, would would Bodell have to agree to that sponsorship with WWE, or can oh, yeah. they still they'd use have, it with WWE? WWE since, ain't like, gonna do it without them paying them. 
Right, but like since they have that merger with TKO, I just figured maybe since TKO no. has it or UFC has that sponsorship, they'd have to agree and it'd be a separate thing. But because UFC already has the uh the like partnership with them, it would be easier for them to go to Modelo and be like, "Hey, WWE's interested. Would you like to talk to them?" This and that, da da da. Just like how it was easy for Vince to go to Saudi and get a deal for the UFC because they already have that working relationship. Even though UFC is getting way less than WWE is getting paid to go to Saudi. WWE gets like 50, 50 million a year or a show, two a year. UFC is only getting like 20, 25 million a show. And they're only doing, I think, one for right now. But yeah, we got a Creed Brothers hype video sponsored by Modelo. In the back, Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci congratulated Gunther on his win. Gunther said that they had no reason to be so jolly and celebratory. Gunther was the only one who's been contributing to this group because the last year had been a write-off for them. Gunther said that he would step away for a couple of weeks to recharge, but then they'd have to stand their ground, grind, work, and finally impress him. Gunther then left. So it looks like no Gunther on the day one show is what it sounds like to me. Uh, Kofi Claus then appeared. He approached Kaiser and Vinci. Ludwig told him to leave. Kingston then gave him a gift, and it was, well, Cole. Kingston laughed and said, it's Cole! In, like, a funny voice. Kingston said that they should have expected that because they've been naughty all year long. Also, no Woods at all. No Xavier Woods. It would have been funny if, like, we had Kofi Claus and then Woods as his elf. I mean... I don't know if Woods was just injured or if he was just taking time off. I don't know. So, there was a rumor that Woods was spotted in Birmingham, Alabama recently. I don't know if that means anything. Like, it means something because you don't go to Birmingham unless you're seeing a doctor. So, hopefully, it's, like, nothing serious. But I think he's worked since that rumor came out, so I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure it means nothing. Yeah. So, yeah. Gunther told them to impress me going into the new year. And I don't think he's going to be impressed with uh, Ludwig Kaiser losing to Jey Uso later in the show. Then we get Shinsuke Nakamura and the American Nightmare Before Christmas. And I wrote it all down. It was the week before Christmas and out from my mouth came a warning to Cody that Shinsuke would pounce. While your daughter is nestled all snug in her bed, and visions of championships dance through your head. Shinsuke is plotting to live out your, your story, to ruin your plans and extinguish your glory. The nightmare is over, the nightmare is through. The mist burns its eyes, for the nightmare is you. You bastard, you cancer, you prancer, you nitwit. Your vomit, you're stupid, your father was inbred. My goal is to see that you're living in fright. Merry Christmas to you. I will be your last fight. Cody then attacks Nakamura from behind. They fight all the way through the crowd to the ring. Security try to break him up multiple times. Cody then tries to do the crossroads on the top of the announce table. Security then pulls Nakamura off, and Nakamura runs to safety with Wade Barrett saying, well, Nakamura needs to... Pay them security guards a Christmas bonus for saving him tonight. What'd you think of 
the poem, the story, whatever, and then the brawl afterwards. I'm surprised a match between the two didn't get announced for day one. I mean, I will say the segment was good. Mm -hmm. I thought it was very effective, but... I mean, you never know. They might just, they might announce it on social media right. or heck, maybe they might announce it like this Friday on SmackDown. True. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll just be like, maybe, I think what they'll do is on SmackDown, they'll probably do like a recap of that segment. And then they'll be like, why well, Pierce just announced on Twitter that this match will now be taking place on Raw day one. So do you think since they've already had the regular match, this next one needs a stipulation? I mean, what stipulation would you really add to cage it, match, Cage match, so Nakamura can't run away. Maybe. I mean, it'd be... I'm, I mean, these two together would have an awesome Hell in a Cell match, but I don't know when you would do that. I don't think you do a Hell in a Cell match on a Raw. I mean, it's not so much that you do it on a Raw. It's just... I don't know if Triple H would do it quite yet, because normally for Triple H, he would only do, like... Hell in a Cell matches for, like, rivalries that are, like, really, like, really up there. Right. Well, maybe this, maybe, like so, Cody won the first match. So, maybe Nakamura wins the second one, and then that leads to Hell in a Cell, maybe. So, because I can maybe, see Cody, but... I can see Cody coming out. Honestly, I'm trying to think. Maybe they don't do a match on day one. Cody cuts a promo. And then does the whole, like, you brought my daughter's name into this. Like, you mentioned my daughter. That's not right. And this and that. So, yeah. I, I, could see, I could see it happening on day one. But I can also see them maybe waiting a week or so to let Cody have his rebuttal promo. Also. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't know why, but it popped me a little when it's, he said, your father was inbred. I was like, oh, Lord, we're going that route, are we? That seemed kind of random to me. Well, it's because Dusty's from Texas, and they say a lot of people in Texas are inbreds. I know. At first, I didn't get that reference, yeah. though. So Chelsea Green and Piper Niven walked up to Adam Pierce, and they were like, we need to talk. Why haven't you been answering my calls? Um, it's Christmas time. So how about you give us a Christmas present and cancel our match tonight? And Adam Pierce is like, it is the season of giving. So go have your matches next. This is after he was talking to Tazawa and said, Tazawa, you sure this is the match you want? Which we learned later was Ivar. And then after Chelsea and Piper leave, Bronson Reed approaches and says, Hey, you're trying to figure out the next challenger for Gunther. How about we have a chat? And Pierce looks very, very impressed. Like, oh, yeah, let's do this. We got a couple things there. Not anything like super of importance because they teased with well, last week. They teased Gable, Ricochet, and Kofi possibly challenging Gunther. Which, now to think of it, last week we had Kofi on the show briefly and no Woods. So hopefully Woods isn't hurt. As we move forward, they wish Trish Stratus a happy birthday ahead of the women's tag team title match. That went nine and a half minutes. And I'm just like, oh, Lord, this match was just okay. Yeah, I was kind of bored in this match. Excuse me for that. I have a really, like, 
crazy cough right now. Worse than normal. Uh, Niven hit both opponents with the Vader Bomb early on. And then like a minute or two in, we go to a break. Carter fought back after a break and made a cover on Green. Piper then tried to break it up with a splash, but Carter moved. And she splashed Green instead. Carter followed this up the springboard leg drop for a two. Green hit Carter with a code breaker and held her in place on her knees as Niven hit a senton. But Katana broke up the pin. Carter and Chance then teamed up and hit the keg stand. Green then barely broke up the pin here. Chance reversed an unprettier into a code breaker. And then Carter and Chance hit the after party and they pinned uh, Chelsea to pick up the victory and become the new tag team champions. So there we go. New tag champs tonight on Raw. I like was 50-50 about this. I was like, I think they'll win. But they like you could tell they really like their their Chelsea Green stuff as her as the champ. Because it's like if they didn't really love Chelsea as the champion, they would have just stripped her when Sonya got hurt. So it's like that right there made me think, ooh, they may keep this title on Chelsea a little bit longer. But nope. They went with Caden Carter and Katana Chance. And yeah, what do you think of new tag team champions? I will say I was a little surprised we got new champs, but I'm guessing maybe WWE, they just wanted to put on like an, an actual tag team, not just like two random people put together. So when you opinion. look at when you look at it, it's like who is left to challenge Piper and Chelsea? They've ran through everybody. So of course you put the titles on somebody else, you switch it from baby face to, or from heels to baby faces, and that just opens up a new crop of matches for those tag titles, basically. It's when you run out of challengers, I mean, you, you gotta put it on somebody else. I mean you also got the women on SmackDown as well. You got the Kabuki Warriors. True, I didn't think about that. I keep forgetting I keep forgetting about that because Chelsea and freaking Piper never appear on SmackDown barely. They never defend the belts on SmackDown no. either. Also, I mean, they, go for it. I mean, they appeared once when they had Chelsea face uh, uh, Charlotte. Right, and also think about it. They can go to NXT with those tag titles too. But are there any like women's tag teams in NXT though? They could put some together. I mean, you got Lola Vice and Electra Lopez. You've got... Oh, why is their name? Their name is who's the one that fought Roxanne in the cage at De Keanu Deadline? James. Keanu James and Izzy Dane. You got them together, and then I think there's like one or two other little like women's groups, kind of. So you can always just throw people together. But I also thought it was funny. I forgot to mention when Chelsea was trying to get uh, Adam Pierce to cancel the match. She goes, "You know what?" I'm just gonna call Nicholas Aldous about this. Um, so as we move forward, Alpha Academy was with Alvy Ivy Nile as she trained in the back. Nile said that she asked Pierce for a match against Rhea Ripley after hearing what she had to say earlier in the night. Nile said that her goal was to become a champion in 2024. Kira showed up and was like, I've got a match. And they're like, Really? He's like, against him and then Ivar walks into frame. Ivar with a hollow walk up. Gable was like, "Oh, you sure about this?" And yeah, that match was kind of next. We had a segment for it, but yeah, that match was basically next. Basically, Gable and Otis made it seem like they didn't like the idea of Tizawa facing Ivar, and then he told Maxine, uh, "You may need to go with him just to, to walk, keep keep watch on him." 
I like the part where Gable was like, Tazawa, when I met Go Big going into the new year, I, I didn't mean to actually Go Big. Right. I, I kind of like that. Would have been funny. They probably wouldn't have never done it. But it would have been funny if they hadn't done the Cody segment earlier and then Cody pop up and goes, Go Big! Like a reference to the Go Big show. Did somebody say Go Big? I know a little about going big. I totally forgot about the Go Big show. Basically, when Cody exited that show, that show died. They didn't do any more. Like Snoop left after season one. They brought in T-Pain. And then Cody left after season two to go to WWE. And that show died. Was Cody really the glue to the Go Big show? I think they really struggled to get like fans outside of wrestling to watch the show. Well, I think the other issue was that whole show was done through during COVID. And then like they had a good concept kind of with the whole fans or, or people are watching outside on like a movie screen, kind of like a drive-in theater. And it's just, I don't know, probably it probably had an issue of, and I've heard of shows having this issue before <clears throat> when they wanted to scale it up to fit more of an uh, actual studio audience and stuff that blew their budget. Maybe, I don't know. That's just me spitballing. Like maybe they wanted to scale the show up to the point where, Oh, now we have an actual audience watching inside the building. And then maybe the budget didn't suffice for something like that or something. I don't know, but it was one of those shows that just, instead of that, now they're just doing wipeout with John Cena. Uh, wipeout's just not as fun as it used to be. Also, also, speaking of Wipeout, how is TBS allowed to say a TBS original Wipeout when that show aired on ABC forever beforehand? It is not a TBS original. That show was on ABC with with um, John Henson, and I always forget the other guy's name. I love the original Wipeout. Oh, oh the original Wipeout was amazing. The original American version, not the original Japanese version. Yeah. Right. Um, we go backstage. Found a chance, and Caden Carter are walking through the back. Kofi Claus congratulated them on winning the tag titles right before Christmas. Uh, he asked them what they wanted for Christmas, and they said, we got everything we've wanted. It's the titles. They then started talking with Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. Like, this is weird, because it's like, Candace didn't look too happy that they got the titles, but then they tried to play it up like they're all buddy-buddy, and then they're like, let's go party and celebrate. And then Natty was with Tegan, Shayna was with Zoe, and Natty's just like, well, new champions. It looks like they're gonna need some new challengers. And then Shayna was like, so it does. Like, really bad acting here. And then that leads to, they didn't call it a number one contender match, but on day one, it's going to be Natty and Tegan against Shayna and Zoe. I mean, it shouldn't be a horrible match. Mm -mm. Then a match that was fun, but not much really happened. It was Tazawa and Ivar. And they gave Tazawa way more offense than I expected in this four-minute match. But not much really happened. Tazawa actually had the early advantage. Ivar then knocked him down. Ivar then, or no... Uh, yeah, Ivar knocked him down, threw him in the corner. Tazawa then tried to go to the top after knocking Ivar down. Valhalla got on the apron. Maxine, this was 
weird. Maxine pulls Valhalla off of the apron. Valhalla then runs at Maxine. So Maxine just like steps aside. It's like after last week, they didn't want Maxine really doing much of anything. And then Valhalla threw herself into the barricade. And then Ivar grabbed Tazawa, hit him with the world's strongest slam off the middle rope and pinned him to pick up the victory. Any thoughts? I mean, they made Tazawa seem like somewhat strong. Mm -hmm. At least they may seem like he might he might have won the match, but right. Oh no, like I'm kind of getting tired of him being at Alpha Academy. I know some people like a lot of people like it because they like seeing like do those crazy dance moves, but I don't know. You think Tazawa dancing is their? Uh, I might have said this before. Their counter to Prince Nana and his dance. Kind of. I can see it. I feel like Prince Nana's dance is more popular, though, than Tazawa's. Uh, Fonzie says, the other host of the original ABC Wipeout was John Anderson. Right. Now that you, now you say it, yeah. ESPN's John Anderson, too. So we got another segment that was good, but could have been shorter. It felt a little long. It was Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre. Seth got no a great... Punk tonight, they... Yeah, no punk at all. They mentioned him. Part-time punk. I, I think. I think, but... Yeah. Yeah, he, he didn't show up tonight. Seth mentioned him, but yeah, no punk. You think punk shows up and screws... No. I would say you think he screws Seth out of the belt on day one, but I don't think he does because he wants to fight Seth for the belt. Like, he he doesn't want to screw Seth. I think he wants Seth to stay the champion so he can challenge Seth. But Seth comes out tonight. Good reaction from the home crowd. Sort of home crowd. Uh, he said that he was more motivated than ever to be the best champion in the entire industry. He was excited for 2024 and stated that with day one, he will defend the title successfully against Drew McIntyre. And out comes Drew. Rollins said that he hadn't forgotten about McIntyre headbutting him a few weeks ago and warned him to tread lightly. McIntyre said, excuse me, McIntyre said that he wasn't there for a fight because he already got his match and he wants to do it when it's scheduled. McIntyre wanted to tell Rollins that he was proud of him. Everyone was kissing CM Punk's ass. But not you. You told him the truth to his face because you are a true leader. McIntyre said that Rollins was on the top of the world, and it must feel good knowing that he'd get to spend some time with his family for the holidays. McIntyre then went on to say, I don't get to spend time with my family. Just like your wife, my family is far away, and I have to be away. Um, he said that they've had plenty of difficult conversations about missing family moments for the benefit of the business, him and Becky, that is. That their families would tell them not to come home and to keep chasing their dreams. But suddenly, those family members, well, aren't around anymore. He talked about how he saw his dad getting old for the first time when he was 16. And he began to wonder if, if that was all that it's worth. McIntyre then said that he didn't want Rollins' title. He needed Rollins' title. He needed to know the sacrifices were worth the end game. And he was willing to hurt Seth to get it. Rollins wanted to believe McIntyre, but his actions lately didn't really align with his words. Rollins says he didn't respect McIntyre for earning another shot 
or he did respect McIntyre for earning another shot, but wondered why he thought the outcome would be different this time. Rollins saw McIntyre was willing to lie, cheat, and steal and take shortcuts, but he wasn't willing to do any of those things because he was be responsible for his own actions. McIntyre had to look himself in the mirror and face the reality that the only person keeping him from being a champion is himself. Rollins told another man last week that he hated him and he meant what he said. He didn't hate McIntyre, though he pitied him. Rollins wished him a Merry Christmas and said he'd see him in a couple of weeks. McIntyre then tried to attack Rollins as he left, but Rollins saw it coming. Rollins went after him on the outside, but McIntyre shoved him into the barricade and gave him a reverse Alabama slam on the steel steps. Rollins then, for some reason, sold his arm. What do you think of the segment and the little brawl afterwards? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was effective. Mm. Honestly, I can see for day one, if they were going to mention CM Punk, I can totally see them uh, bringing in Punk to be on like commentary. Yes. That would actually not be a bad idea. That would be a great idea. Also, speaking of that, you see WWE still allowing him to do MMA commentary? I did not see that. No. Yeah. So I forget the company, FCCF or something like that. The company that he's been doing commentary for for the last like year or two, he was doing over the weekend and literally said, hey, by the way, on December 30th, I'm going to be in L.A. and I'm going to fight Dirty Dominic Mysterio. I've wanted to punch that kid in the face since he was eight years old. So, yeah, he's still it's a- a- Go for it. It's honestly surprising that Punk's first match in WWE in 10 years is going to be at a live event. <coughs> two live events. Well, yeah, he's got two of them coming up. One on next Tuesday in New York at MSG, and then on the 30th in L.A. One on each side of the country. But, yeah, first match I mean, on a live event. That is weird. I mean, they couldn't really do it on, like, on a Raw or something. I mean, they could have, but... I don't know. I know the December 26th, the Madison Square Garden show to the WWE is almost just as important as as important as WrestleMania every year. It's been a tradition for I don't know how long that they run the day after Christmas in MSG. Like that's a big show that they stack up every year. So I get it. They want punk on that show. They don't need help selling tickets or anything, but also, if you think about it, they're also doing the show on the 30th from the Kia Forum in L.A. They're going to sell more tickets for a live event than AEW sold in the same building a month ago for a pay-per-view. And this is even before Punk was announced. Think about that one. They're selling Before Punk was even announced, they had more tickets sold for that live event than the AEW Full Gear pay-per-view in the same building. But yeah. I would have liked Punk's first match to be on a live on a like a Raw as well, or just not have him work until the Royal Rumble. But hey, whatever they want to do. Yeah, the Royal Rumble. Does he be entrant number one? No. Or... There's no way they put him in there as number one. There's no way Punk wants to work for an hour. I mean, I can maybe maybe see him wanting to do it just to prove people wrong because like. 
me saying that, I bet you others are thinking the same thing. Like, oh, he got hurt in AEW too often. He can't work a long match and this and that and da 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 da. So then he goes out there and goes, I'll prove him wrong and work the whole Royal Rumble. I don't think he starts number one, though. I mean, he can go number one, just like, like do whatever he needs to do. Like, just don't be Sasha Banks. Don't be Sasha Banks 2018, where she started at the beginning and kept rolling out of the ring to catch her breath and like to recover. She literally would roll under the ropes or sit under the turnbuckle for like half that match. And then they were like, Sasha was in for so long. It's like Sasha did nothing for half the match. Yeah. I mean, <coughs> well, where does he go? Like 20, 30? I've seen a lot of people say that they should put him in, in lap number 30. But I don't know. That's a tough one. Because it's like the story of this year's Rumble, the men's Rumble at least, it's Cody and Punk and who wins. So you really got to think like be, they got to be positioned it's well. between them too. It's, it's between them too. Oh, yeah. You think it comes down to those two at the end? That would be cool. Yeah. It makes sense. I'd say have Cody win because then it'd be like, then he can go the route of like last year I lost to Roman, but this year I want to, I want him again so, so I can finish my story. So Cody winning makes the booking easier. In my opinion, Cody wins and then can go to SmackDown from, from that win. And then you just have Punk win the Elimination Chamber. But if Punk wins, he gets Seth. And then you got to finagle some way to get Cody the SmackDown shot. You know what I mean? Maybe he calls his old buddy Nick Aldis. A man that he's beaten for a world title before. I mean, I feel like they're trying. If they did that, I feel like they'll try to overcomplicate it. Because I feel like if they if they do that, then they're going to have to be like, oh, they're going to have to trade Cody to SmackDown exactly. for somebody. Exactly. Like, who's SmackDown going to send? I don't even Jimmy know. Jimmy Uso? But yeah. No. No. They're doing that whole storyline of Roman likes Solo better than Jimmy, so they got to keep that storyline going. Right, but they still got to do Jay versus Jimmy at Mania. How are they going to do that? Yeah, I don't know. Yeet versus no yeet. Um, But yeah, I think Cody winning the Rumble is the easiest way booking-wise. Like, there's a way to do it. Maybe Nick Aldis says, hey, I'm doing this elimination chamber, and the final spot is open to anybody. Just like how he opened up the final spot in the U.S. title number one contender tournament to somebody in NXT. Maybe he opens the final slot of the Elimination Chamber to anybody in NXT or Raw. Maybe. That's a little bit overcomplicating things because then everyone's going to know it's Cody if he wanted to keep it a secret or whatever. But, yeah. I think Cody wins the Rumble. I got it. Go for it. Let's say say Jimmy gets tired of Roman saying how uh, he keeps favoring Solo over him. Right. So they so Jimmy turns on Roman. We get Jimmy versus Roman at Elimination Chamber, but Jimmy still like somewhat hates Jay. And then and they still do their Jimmy versus Jay at Mania. Cody beats Roman. Roman Roman takes time off after Mania. Then like then they have Paul Heyman be like managing solo for the time being. You know what I really want, but I don't know if they'd do it right now. I want Heyman back with Punk. 
Heyman and Punk together no, was they, so good. They're not doing that anytime soon. No, I know not anytime soon. But those two together were so they good. Were good. They were. Have you ever heard the story when Vince told Heyman he's going to work with Punk? No, I haven't heard that story. So, Raw was going to be in Chicago. And Vince still asked Heyman, what are you doing Monday? He's like, well, I'm going to be at home watching the show from Chicago. And Vince tells him, well, I got an idea. I want you to work with somebody else. And Heyman goes, I don't know. I've been working with Brock, and it's been going really well, and I don't think I should work with anybody else. And he goes, well, I want you to work with CM Punk. Heyman says, look to Vince. He goes, I'll be in Chicago. You told him CM Punk, and he said, heck yeah. Apparently, those two, at least yeah, at that, like in that period of time, were really close friends. Yeah, I don't know why they separated the two. Did I don't know. Well, yeah, it is weird because that was less than a year. If you think about it, that was less than a year before Punk left because that was going into WrestleMania 29 where he fought The Undertaker. Yeah, then I think. And they did After the whole, that, I got Paul Heyman's ashes stuff. That was, oh, Lord. It was Paul Bear's ashes. I, Paul Bear, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul and Paul, you know what I mean. Then, like, then after that, after that match, they had Punk take time off. He returned. And I don't know if it was just WWE, like the fans were just viewing Punk as a baby face once he returned. I don't know. Yeah, that whole timeline after the Mania stuff got a little fuzzy. It got a little fuzzy for Punk because Punk was yeah. getting really tired of like putting over all the part-timers because he, he said that in an interview once yep. he left WWE. He said, I got tired of putting over Undertaker, Punk, like Lesnar and The Rock. Yeah, because I can't remember. Was that what was? No, that wasn't the... No. So he came back. I'm trying to remember. I know he did something before he left with Jericho. He had a story with, like a deal with Jericho. And that's when he was like, oh, I'm, Paul Heyman's no longer with me anymore. Because Brock, that's what it was. Brock came back and Heyman was solely with Brock again. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Solely with Brock. And then he still had Curtis Axel with him and he brought in Ryback with him as well. Yeah. And I remember he also hated working with Ryback, Punk. Oh, yeah. Most people did. Because Punk was saying how unsafe Ryback was. And then didn't Punk work the Wyatt family before he left as well, like the end of 2013, I think? Remember him and Daniel Daniel Bryan teaming up against the Wyatt family? I don't know if it was him and Punk. I know it was like Punk against the Shield. Well, yeah. But I don't know if he worked the wife. He might have. I'm going to look this up really fast. Uh, yeah, so it says... Um, Hell in a Cell. Uh, uh, Punk would face Heyman and Ryback in a 2-1-1 handicap match. Hell in, uh, handicap Hell in a Cell match. Winning the match by pinning Ryback after the match. Uh, he would hit a go-to-sleep on Heyman on the top of the cell. Punk would then move on after that to feud with the Wyatt family, forming an alliance with Daniel Bryan. The duo would defeat Harper and Rowan in a tag team match at Survivor Series. The next night on Raw, Punk was attacked by the Shield while attempting to save Bryan 
from being taken hostage by the Wyatt family. Punk then insinuated the authority, uh, ordered the attack. And then that led to him and Ambrose, I think. There was some sort of a match, three-on-one handicap match against the Shield at TLC. Then he worked the Rumble and quit. <clears throat> well, yeah, because were they actually going to have Punk win the, the world title at Mania, or was it just supposed to be like him versus Triple H? And so, that no. Was it? From everything we know that's gotten out, it was supposed to be him and Triple H, and that was going to, I think, then push him to a world title match after. I don't know, but this is just different things have been reported on from that timeline. And he was adamant of, no, 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 I'm not the hot guy anymore. I'm not the guy that needs to get pushed right now. It's Daniel Bryan. That's your new moneymaker. And he basically was like, Triple H needs to be working with Daniel Bryan, not me. Like, he was really pushing for, I'll take a step back and not have a prominent, as of a, a... as prominent match at Mania because the best thing for the business is Brian getting that push instead. And everyone says Punk is selfish. Was that, I mean, was that really the main reason why he walked out? Because like, oh no, push Punk and I'll leave. He also was like, he had like a staph infection that they told him to work through or something like that. The doctor was like, here, take these antibiotics, you'll be fine, but it really wasn't anything, and there was a couple of things. Like, they wanted him to do things he didn't want to do. They were trying to make him work hurt, according to him. So, yeah. Uh, that's he also talked about much, it. He, he, he has also said since then that he admits he got burnt out. He had been going nonstop since what, like 2000? When did he debut? Yeah. 2099, something like that. When he started. <laughs> uh, CM Punk had his first match in... 97. I didn't realize it was that. 1997. When old Philip Jack Brooks started wrestling. After WWE, he got his ass beat in the UFC. And came crawling back. Yeah. But... He always wanted to go back to WWE eventually. Like, he talked all the crap. But if you think about it, I mean, he tried to go back to WWE before going to AEW, and Vince said no. That's really the reason he... he so, AEW wanted him. He told them no. He wanted to go to WWE. Vince told him no. And so then he said, you know what? AEW will take me. I'll go there. Well... I'm pretty sure another one reason why he didn't go to AEW in the first place because he they tried texting him to to show up. And That's he what he said. He thought that was that he was said, a little unprofessional on his. He said the young bucks were unprofessional trying to text him about working there instead of actually calling him or setting some sort of meeting up. Yeah, he said that before. Um. So moving forward, Cody Rhodes thanked the Creed brothers for their help last week. He wanted them to be the Judgment Day tonight and take the tag titles. Kofi Claus tossed WWE merch into the crowd, but he was then attacked by Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci. Jey Uso ran out to his music to make the save. The crowd said yeet as he right uh, handed out right hands. Jay then wiped out Imperium 
with a dive before helping Kingston to his feet. Jay challenged Kaiser to a match, and that was made official during the break. Also, did you notice Jay's new T-shirt? Uh, I didn't take a close look at it. No. It's a Yeet shirt, but the Yeet is blurry. Like they That's can clever, use the Yeet actually. again, but now they're making a joke of them not being able to use the Yeet and blurring it out on television that one week. So now they're. I wonder if that shirt is on shop. Is sure, it is. I'm gonna look right now. Um. Yep, I'll pull it up right here. Let's see. This is the new Yeet shirt. For the Yeet is blurred. That's pretty funny. Oh yeah, that's oh yeah, that's pretty clever, right? Because it was an indie wrestler that apparently once Jay started using it, trademarked it, and then WWE got the trademark from him or whatever. I don't know exactly the logistics. Surprisingly, um, they never said who the wrestler was. Oh, it was all over Twitter. Hold on. Did they say who it was? Hold on, I can tell you. Um, let me see if I can find it really quickly because I saw it like three different posts about it recently. It was is right here. Hold on. Um. Oh no! It was before Jay started using it. The trademark was filed in October of 2022. By Casey Huffman. I don't know who that is. Yeah, I don't either. All I all I gotta say is they probably gave that man whatever he wanted. Oh yeah. <clears throat> uh, uh, someone in the Twitch chat said, "I wonder what would have happened if Daniel Bryan never main evented WrestleMania." I don't know because his run on top after that kind of fell short because of injuries and stuff. So I don't know if right. too much would have really changed other than Batista would have won the world title probably. Yeah, because Batista probably would have won the world title and if CM Punk would have never left, it was probably going to be Punk taking the belt off Batista. That would sound actually probably plausible. That sounds pretty right because Punk probably would have beat Triple H. We don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah. Batista would have won the Rumble. Well, we did win the Rumble. Then would have won Mania. And then, yeah, maybe you got... Maybe you're right. Punk taking the title off Batista. There was a lot of what-ifs in, like, 2014. Yeah. There was a... What if Dan Bryan never got hurt and had to relinquish the belt? There was a... I don't, some people keep saying, what if the streak never ended? I mean, the streak was, was supposed to, like, end eventually. I mean, oh, yeah. I... My biggest issue, my biggest issue with that is, I I just wish it would have been like someone like like a young up and coming wrestler, like taking the streak. Like, well, I mean, Taker lost I twice mean, in Mania, once to Brock and once to Roman. I mean, 
was Brock the right decision to take the streak? <laughs> no. I mean, no, no. I mean, they got like some like good footage from it though, right. from like fan reactions. They got they got that, but like, I just wish it would have been someone like a Roman Reigns at the time to take it. Because it, it would have benefited Roman more than it would have Brock. Hmm. Um, so some of the things that happen here go some of the biggest moments in WWE in 2014, uh, Charlotte Flair won her first championship in NXT. And then that catapulted her to coming to the main roster. Roman Reigns goes on a tear in the Royal Rumble. And that really like really started building Roman as somebody that they want to push. We also had, uh, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins in Hell in a Cell. That was a big match. Um, Brock Lesnar destroys John Cena. SummerSlam. We had Rock Hogan and Austin all in the ring together at WrestleMania. Seth Rollins put Dean Ambrose's head through a cinder block. I remember watching that as a kid and I was like, holy right? cow. Brock they literally murdered this. They Brock, literally murdered this man. Yeah. Brock breaks the streak. Brian occupies Raw and then wins the world title. Seth Rollins betrays the Shield. 2014. Sting arrives in WWE at the end of 2014. That was a huge one. And then number one moment of 2014 in WWE, according to Bleacher Report, Dane Bryan wins the world title. That was a big moneymaker for WWE, though. Which was Brian or Sting? The both. Yeah. Well, I think the Sting thing was half botched. Because basically, they wanted to say, "Oh, we're we're gonna beat another WCW. We're gonna we're gonna just the last remnants of WCW. We're gonna put him down too." That match wasn't even all that good at WrestleMania. Sting and Triple H they had way too much interference. And I remember being there live and like. People getting hyped up when the NWO came out, and then people getting hyped up when DX came out. And then the guy sitting next to me that I didn't even know goes, hold on. I thought the NWO was supposed to hate Sting, and Sting was supposed to hate the NWO. Why are they helping him? (laughs) The guy was so confused. I mean, yeah, it... I would say till the end it was kind of a letdown, but at the beginning it really like got fans hyped up. Hmm. And then Sting got hurt and his whole run got just de- derailed. Yeah. So moving forward, we have Jey Uso versus Ludwig Kaiser. Or how does how does she say it? Ludwig Kaiser or something like that. Uh ten minute match, then not really much happened. Vincey tried to get involved. Kofi then stopped him. Vincey tried to get involved. Kofi then hit him with the thunder and par- or trouble in paradise. Jay then hit Kaiser with a spear, which I still don't like him using the spear. Uso splash and the pin. Kofi in his Santa outfit celebrated with Jay afterwards. Like, if Jay wants to be no longer associated with the bloodline and be his own person, why is he using Roman's spear? That's yeah, my I thing. Don't, I don't know that. Like does he do does he ever do the super kick still? Well yeah, but like the spear is now his setup 
for the splash. He spears you, goes to the top, and hits the splash. Instead of super kicking you and then going to the top for the splash. He still does super kicks in his match, but I just... He does that spear, and it's just like, oh, you're still showing homage to your tribal chief. That's yeah, how I see it. Weird. Then we go to the clubhouse. Priest is mocking uh, JD for losing to Truth. Literally two hours ago, almost, at this point. Ripley wasn't happy about it, and he was like, well, am I really out of Judgment Day? And Priest is like, no, that wasn't a real stipulation. You're in for now. And then Rhea hyped up um, Balor and Priest, said you're going to beat the Creeds, just like I'm going to beat Ivy Nile with my title on the line on day one. Speaking of day one, a couple of things got announced for that show. You got Becky Lynch and Nia Jax. You got Natalia and Tegan Knox taking on Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark. Rhea Ripley will defend the Women's World Championship against Ivy Nile, and Seth Rollins will defend the World Heavyweight Championship against Drew McIntyre. I didn't even realize this. It didn't feel like it on TV. The main event was shorter than the IC title match. It didn't feel that way on TV. If I'm they felt about honest. the same, if I'm going to be honest. Because the IC title match went 21 and a half. The main event, I clocked it at 16 and right around 16 minutes, 15 seconds or so. Fun match, though. Great main event. I thought this was a great match in the main event. Here's my thing. That Brutus bomb, whatever you want to call it, Brutus ball, is he just always landing on everybody's face? Because he landed right on Priest's face at one point when he did it. I thought normally he just had his, like, shoulder, like, leaning into your chest or something. Well, I noticed he came right at Damian Priest landed on priest hit him in like his body hit him in the face and then priest like grabbed his head for the rest kept grabbing at his head for the rest of the match whether that's just priest selling really well or priest actually kind of like getting his head hit i don't know so you look at it brutus just jumps cannonballs himself and just lets his body go so Give me one second. My mouth is drying up from all this coughing. All this coughing and talking with a sore throat. I was going to go live later and do some Fortnite stuff. But maybe I won't. I don't know. Uh, they went to a break about a minute into the match. And the Creeds worked over Balor. Rhea was yelling at Finn. Because Finn was just getting double teamed. And then she would yell at Priest and be like, why are you letting this happen, Priest? And Priest would look back at her like, all right, oh God, I can't do anything. They're gonna let me, you know. So Rhea was all pissed off. Priest then made a blind tag, knocked Julius out of the ring, and hit him with a clothesline. Brutus then tagged in, ran wild on Balor, who tagged back in, and hit a gut wrench slam. Priest then tagged himself in again and used a running charge to send Brutus over the announce table. Before that, though, he had sent, I think it was Julius, into the steps and almost hit Rhea. And Wade Barrett was like, oh, very close to hitting Rhea Ripley. And Rhea heard him and goes, yeah, got that close to hitting me, but we're still in control or something like that. Like she played it up. Brutus 
after being thrown over the announce desk, fought back after a break, and made the tag to Julius. Balor was in as well, but Julius gave Balor overhead belly to belly. Priest then ran in. He gave Priest overhead belly to belly. He then gave Balor another overhead belly to belly. Julius then fired up the crowd and did a standing shooting star on, on Balor for a two. Ripley then attacked Ivy Nile, but Nile got the better of it, put Rhea on her shoulders, and then dropped her face first on the apron. Creed's then hit Balor with a Brutus ball, but Priest broke up the cover. Julius then countered a Priest choke slam into a drop kick off of a back, out of a backflip and then hit a flip dive. Balor set up Brutus for a coup de gras, but Julius broke it up. The Creed's then gave Priest a Brutus ball. This is where I talk about Priest looked like Brutus landed on his head. Balor broke up that pin by hitting a coup de gras to the back of Julius. Brutus then wiped out Balor with a dive. Priest then gave Julius a South of Heaven choke slam and pinned him to retain the tag team championships. I thought this was a great, fun tag team title match. I thought this made the Creeds look so good. And just like Michael Cole said it, I'm going to say it. The Creeds will be tag team champions, possibly sometime soon. Now, here's my thing. At the end of the match, Julius seemed to kick out right at the three. And Priest played it up, kind of. Like, the ref still counted it, but he realized that Julius barely kicked out there. So, it's like, oh, they barely beat the Creeds, if that's what we're supposed to believe. Priest then threw Julius out of the ring, and the three Judgment Day members, no JD, no Dom at all, stood tall at the end of the show. I really thought when Dom didn't come out with them at the start, he was going to come out and, like, interfere later. Nope. No Dom or JD. What did you think of the match? Oh, the match was great. I can totally see. I mean, do you think the Creeds will be tag champs in 2024? Good chance. I think there's a really good chance. I mean, there's a good chance, but I feel like they got they got to give each show their their own tag titles, mm-hmm. though. If that's I gonna think happen. That I think that too. I mean, I mean, I don't see Creeds being the tag champs anytime soon if each brand has to share a tag. Like the tag titles. But it's like the women's tag titles. You go brand to brand. At least the Judgment Day have shown up as the champions on SmackDown. Right, but there's not as many like women's teams than there are as true. men's teams, though. That is true. But then when you really look at it, how many tag teams are on Raw and how many tag teams are actually on SmackDown that can facilitate a good division for each? What do you got, like four on each? Yeah. So it's like, is that really enough to where it's not going to eventually get stale? I mean, you also got tag teams in NXT, though. But NXT has their own tag titles. So that means you'd have to bring somebody up and make a call-up. Right, but that's what call-ups are for. You bring, you bring teams up to, like, you bring, like, a new tag team from on NXT. One tag well, like team Creed's. from NXT up to uh, Raw, another one up to SmackDown. And it freshens things up, correct. Just like the Creeds. That's what yes. the Creeds were for. To freshen things up. So, yeah, I get it. Because, like, SmackDown I mean, has... Great. Go for it. I mean, I feel like you can also, like, reunite old teams, though. Like, True. they reunited DIY. Yeah. So, they SmackDown has... Probably some, probably do something else for SmackDown as well. Street Profits on SmackDown. Redacted, not going to name the name. New team coming to SmackDown this Friday. 
Um, technically, you got Austin Theory and Grayson Waller, so that's three. Brawling Brutes, pretty deadly. Oh, are Brawling Brutes still a thing? Because they're kind of teasing Ridge and Butch having problems. Butch is doing single stuff now, kind of. But yeah, pretty deadly. Uh, Joaquin Wild and Cruz del Toro. That's five. And I'm only like halfway through this roster. Um, let's see. Hold on. It'd be easier if I just put SmackDown, not everything. Um, I mean, you have Jimmy and Solo, but I don't think they're going to go for the tag titles. You got the Good Brothers. So that's six. Jeez, when was the last time we saw them? Well, Gallows has been injured. He just came back recently at a live event. And, yeah, that's all the main. So, six, kind of, six tag teams on SmackDown. And then Raw has Alpha Academy, Creeds, Judgment Day, DIY. DIY Viking Raiders when Eric is healthy again. Um, New Day, Imperium, and I think, oh, um, Indusher. Raw has seven, eight tag teams. I mean, I guess that's enough for each brand to have their own tag titles. I would say, yeah. With that, that was Monday Night Raw. I thought a really good show overall. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun watch. Didn't feel, just like last week's show, didn't feel like certain segments I felt could have been shorter, but the overall show didn't feel as long as normal, just like last week's show. So, any closing thoughts on the show while I refresh these polls really fast? I don't believe so, no. All right, the Twitch poll is now live. I'll go check the other ones as well. If you're watching on Twitch, go vote in that poll now. We'll go check the other ones first. As far as the X poll does go. Seventy-two percent like the show. Well, seventy-two point nine. Really, that's like 73%. 73% liked the show. 21% liked the show or thought it was just all right. And 6% didn't like it. Looking at the YouTube community poll. 79% liked the show. 13% thought it was just all right. And 8% didn't like it. Some of the comments are great episode. Another person says, I like tonight's holiday show. Was awesome. And congratulations to the new women's tag team champions. Um... Women are party beautiful ladies. I don't know what that's. Party beautiful? Okay. Uh, R-Truth was dumb over... Wait. R-Truth with the dub... Oh, I read that wrong. With the dub over JD is all I needed. Person says, I liked it. And this person says, no punk not watching. Well, that's your call. We kind of knew punk wasn't going to be on the show beforehand. But... They always could have. So we knew Punk wasn't there, but they always could have done like a pre-tape segment with Punk, which is what they should have done. Hell, they should have filmed something when he was at the PC all last week. 
They should what they should have done. They should have done like a video package of him like training with all the NXT people, saying maybe saying like they're they're doing a really good job of helping me get back in shape. Right to when I return to the ring. Um, YouTube live poll: eighty percent liked the show, thirteen percent thought it was just alright, and seven percent didn't like it. And finally, everybody that voted on Twitch liked the show. With that, guys, I want to say thank you for joining us here. Twitch.tv forward slash PW Unlimited. YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited. And podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, I will be back on Wednesday for AEW Dynamite. With that, guys, uh, have a great night. And Luke, tell them where they can find you. You can find me over at Twitter X at Petkey underscore 21. And you can also find me over at Twitch at the Luke Petkey. Again, guys, have a great night. Have a great week. No Raw post show next Monday because there is no Raw. It's Christmas Day. But we'll see you Wednesday, Friday, and then we'll do it all again next week. Have a good one, guys.